When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at bakersplus.com boost. Everton nil, Fulham two. Everton served up one of their worst performances at Goodison Park, certainly of the season, if not for many, many years. Uh, I've got Mark Mosey, got Rob Vera, and got Lyndon Lloyd to somehow pick our way through that. Um, all the momentum, all the positivity, all the thoughts of things changing after Wednesday night feels like it's completely gone after that shower of a show tonight. Um, Mosey made us all like dickheads again, haven't they? Ha! Huh. Yeah, it's. Um... Coming onto the pod, I thought what what intricacies and what sort of big moments for Everton are we going to talk about? And I think the the fact that the game was just so void of anything from anyone in a blue shirt is the reason why we're coming out with such a I I hesitate to use the word embarrassing result because I know Fulham have, have occasionally pulled out things this this season and going away to Leicester being one of them, but they're they're the types of reasons why an Everton team can't go into this game with the level of what I can only describe as complacency. Um, that there was a watching them. It, it almost felt like the team knew that they were playing bad for the first twenty or thirty minutes, but we're Everton, so eventually it'll be fine. And we've got some good players, and Hamas will do something for us. And that that utter reliance on the moments that we talked about Everton being so pivotal with this season is that. I'm sick of commentators watching our games and saying that we we don't really play that well very often. But yes, we have got gifted players who can do good things and and win us football matches. And for for spells of the season, it's happened. Um, but you do get to a pretty deep stage of the season and look back at it and think, well, I'm, I'm struggling to remember what what classically good Everton performances look like. How, how many times have you came away from the game? And I appreciate that one of them was earlier this week, but that you you genuinely think that, that was a joy to watch. Uh, I appreciate that tonight was very much on the the opposite end of the scale, but we could point the finger in so many different directions tonight, but I think they will all ultimately end up back on Carlo Ancelotti's lap. Um, I, I can't explain anything about the starting lineup, any of the changes that that originally weren't made. Then the changes that were made, it was just an utter mess from the fella. Um, I, I know the challenges of this season. I know that games are coming thick and fast. We reeked of a team who'd played too many football matches, but we're all in the same position. Uh, we, we've got we've got good players. We've got people coming back from injury. Fulham have these challenges as well. Tottenham in the week, Man City in the week coming up. I appreciate every squad has, has its certain depths of quality, but... Everton are not one of those sides who should go into a game against Fulham at home and struggle to the extent that they do. And the worrying pattern here is that 
it, it's great getting a point at Old Trafford and it, it, it's fantastic to have a game in the week where we all enjoy it. We beat a good side and we've got something to cling on to in the cup. But these these are the bread and butter games that get you into the, the European qualification spots in the Premier League. Yeah. And Everton are consistently throwing away opportunities. And you, you can look at the league table and take some solace about where we are and the point tally that we have. And you can cling on to the fact that we're still X number of points off fourth. But we look an absolute million miles away from doing anything promising at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a, a really measured assessment. And, you know, it's, they don't speak about the manager in a bit, but it just feels like one of those nights, Linden, where as much as the manager had a, a really bad night, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to really point fingers at anyone individually because as much as the setup was wrong and, you know, the, the changes should have come a lot earlier and whatever you want to say about the manager, I think everything he did tonight was, was ultimately wrong. There's a baseline, it's never players to meet in terms of effort, in terms of standard, in terms of technical quality. And it was just, it was staggering, like genuinely staggering how how, how far short of that Everton fell tonight. All those players on the pitch, um, you know, I'm trying to find a word that isn't disgraceful, but it was, it was a disgraceful performance from a lot of those lads tonight. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I couldn't disagree with the single word that Mo said. And the word that was going through my head as I had my head in my hand most of the, most of the second half was embarrassing. Not... I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Fulham because they did absolutely everything right. I mean, they were on their game. They were quicker. They were sharper. They wanted it more. Um, they were shutting down passing lanes left, right, and center um, to the point where we just we just we couldn't find our way through them. Um, and I think that was a lot to do with them, but a lot to do with the fact that this just isn't enough movement and enough desire. For and at some point, you've got to get to you get thirty minutes in. And you barely had a kick um, in their half. Something has to change. Something has to adapt, and that has to come from within them. Obviously, it has to come from the touchline as well, but it has to come from within the players. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's a get gets to a point where it's just almost a collective malaise, um, you know. And they they get down into it, but they can't get themselves out of it collectively. Um, you know, there, there were there were individual moments in the first half where you where you just wanted to cry out and, and just and, and hook a player off just for that. Um, but you know, very few of them came out of it with any credit whatsoever. Um, and I'm struggling to find any any positives from it. Um, and like you said, or as Mo said, it comes back to the manager. We've shown some teams too much respect this season, and I don't think we show we gave Fulham enough respect. Um, with that lineup, it, it harked straight back to the Newcastle one. Um, it was too narrow. There was the ball would go out to the flanks, and then there's not an Everton player within 20 yards of him. So he's got to go backwards, and we're going backwards and backwards constantly to the point where you just, you know, you just, you're crying out for something to change, and it just doesn't. So, Rob, where's your head at, mate, after that? <laughs> well, I, I've certainly been the big picture relative optimist guy this season, given the start of the season and how well we played, especially in December. Um, but it, it started it started at the beginning of the year with that West Ham game. And, and there's just been something a little bit off. And um, it, it just it seemed like it all mushroomed uh, to another level today. Um the the lineup was 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 a bad idea on multiple levels, um, but 
you need the players that are out there. And I would argue that there was still enough quality that we put out there that we should be putting forth a significantly better effort than what we just saw. Um, so it, it feels like a failure at every level um, from, from Everton. And, and it, it is very deflating coming off a game like we had on Wednesday. Um, but I, I don't feel like you can give the whole midweek game excuse or they're tired. Everyone's tired right now. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, if we look at the table and we consider the table uh, and try and project forward to the end of the season, what are these results against Leeds and West Ham and Newcastle and Fulham going to mean in terms of the difference uh, of, of what we may have to look forward to next season in regards to Europe? I mean, uh, no one's going no to say, well, th there were understandable reasons to lose those games. Everyone was tired. Like, no one's going to care about that eventually. And um, the, the, everything was bad tonight. Um, I, I don't understand how you could have watched – and I get that they're different teams and, you know, all those things. But and I understand that you've got to do some rotation. But I wonder what what, if anything, Carlo Ancelotti took from Wednesday, because I thought some of the things that they began to hit on, well, at least in terms of of setting up and so on, were were things that just got ignored. But specifically things like. Richarlison uh, having to play with with Sigurdsson and James, which just felt like we were surrendering with at the very you know from the very start of the game. It felt like um, it felt like Richarlison was so engaged and, and really back to his old self, kind of being the single striker uh, for large parts of that game against Spurs, and then. And then what are you doing? You're kind of putting him in this weird threesome with, with Sigurdsson and Hamas, and it just didn't work. Um, and then you compound that issue with what you, what Carlo continues to do tinkering with the, def the, the defense. Now, again, the defense is an issue that, that may have to do with games and rotation and all of that. But I think we've begun to figure out given the results this season, what our most solid back four is, um, you probably have to accommodate, you have to accommodate Luca Dean in your 11 somehow. I get that. He's such a huge, crucial part of this thing from an attacking perspective. Uh, but I don't, I, I, we said it before, Matt, like, why would we, why do we ever need to see Dean and Coleman starting at the same time again? Why should do never, we they should never play in the same team again. No, they, they shouldn't. And, and Mason Holgate hasn't played center half all season, but when he got put out back out to right back after uh, we got down, uh, he was not much better. I Mason Holgate feels like he's taken a bit of a step back. And I know that there are all these mitigating reasons, but the defense, everyone on the defense, uh, including like Yerry Mina, who didn't even play tonight, he, he had a big mistake against Spurs. I think right now we've just suddenly gotten into a defensive problem that feels a bit self-made, uh, you know, because we – we had something that worked really well. I know we had to tweak and change some things and it's a balancing act when you're trying to rotate, but the defense just feels like all of the pieces that showed such quality before is, is really out of order. And that lack of solidity seems to sap Everton's energy going forward in some weird way. I, I don't know what that is about, but that's how it feels. And here we are with a result like this today in, in a week where you felt like you got to win this game, get these three points, bank these three points, and then whatever you get in the next two, you get. But 
losing this game is unforgivable and it feels very much like the discussion of the top four while mathematically still there and we can go on a run and I understand all of that it, it does not feel either earned or nearly as feasible after a performance like today you're on mute Mose. one of those nights mate in it yeah I mean, it's a good point. I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back on mute. <laughs> um, do you know what, Rob? Just something you said then. I think if if we'd dropped points tonight and we were level on level with whoever was in fourth place right now, I still wouldn't have any faith that we were gonna we were gonna push on and challenge for fourth place. And I appreciate things are tight, but yeah, it, it's as you said the the promise of what is left of this season when you look at performances like that. And I appreciate that this is 10 minutes after the final whistle, but it, it's hard to see how Everton launch any form of realistic, serious challenge. I think one, one of the main reasons for that is that I'm, I'm pretty sure there hasn't been a football team in history who have done anything successful of note that have rotated their back four to such an extent that Everton do. You can look at every single Premier League winner Everyone from a consistent United team under Alex Ferguson to a one-off like Leicester City, absolutely none of them throw all of their defenders' names in a hat and fling three of them in the air and just throw them across that back four. Luca Dean is probably the only one at the moment where you think, I'm 70% confident that he's going to be playing for Everton today. And all the rest of them, in particular with Godfrey and, and Holgate, who much to their displeasure, I'm sure, are capable of playing in any one of those other three positions. It's an absolute lottery. And yet we all accept the nature of the season, but th this is what the, the, the foundations of great football teams are based on, is that you have a solid core, which is pretty much made up of your back three, four or five. And, and the, that's your consistent base for progress. And, and yes, you've got people like Awobi and Sigurdsson and Hamez who can all do slightly nuanced and intricate roles going forward, but th there has to be some level of knowledge about what your team will do defensively. And I think that I I'm struggling at the moment, and I think pace at the back is, is something that's probably been pointed to tonight as a reason why Godfrey and Holgate play together. I, I probably look at that and think, well, who's our who's our most progressive defender on the ball in terms of the one who looks for forward passes, the one who looks to actually instigate play. And I'd say out of all of those, Michael Keane is probably the one who actually looks to, to set those sort of moves up. I think that the best example that we've seen of it this season was away at Molyneux, where he constantly looked for that ball out to Awobi mm. and more so to Luca Dean. He actually looks to make things happen. And as much as I feel pretty safe for the majority of the time when when Holgate and, and in particular Godfrey are there centrally, they are quintessential defenders. And I know that you'd, you'd for the most point, you'd put Michael Keane in that position as well. But his ability on the ball is, I would say, greater to a massive extent than, than both of those in terms of developing play and starting off attacking moves. My general point is that we need to make our mind up incredibly quickly on that back four because... It, there's going to be so much dynamism in terms of team selection ahead of them. And I think that the quicker we come up with that sort of solid solution at the back, the better. Just to, to touch on the other man that you mentioned, Robin, in Richarlison, um, 
really, really worrying trend for me in terms of how bad he's been this season. I think that the credit that he has built up in previous years is masking the fact that he, in my mind, has been comfortably Everton's worst player this season. His ball retention up until tonight, because I don't think he got on the ball to actually retain it, so it's not, not something we can comment on tonight, but his he's an absolute liability whenever Everton are in possession, unless he is in goal-scoring opportunities. And tonight was that opportunity. And do you know what? We, we can point the finger at opportunities and how much how much feed he's getting from his midfielders and, and how much we're actually utilising him in play. And I appreciate that tonight is one of those games that we just created absolutely nothing for the lad. But ask Dominic Carver-Loom what that's like. He He toiled up front for this side for years in a team that created absolutely nothing for him. But there was always that sense with Calvert-Lewin and, and other strikers down the line in previous years who have been absolutely nowhere near as gifted as Richarlison. In the, there's a level of responsibility in terms of putting a shift in for this side. And I know that's incredibly cliche to say. And luxury, talented footballers like Richarlison aren't necessarily there to do that job. But he's, regardless of his age, he's someone who is now, I would say, leaning towards a senior figure in this side in terms of longevity. He's been here in terms of the reliance that we put on him, rightly or wrongly. And when he goes and plays up top because our top goal scorer is not available, there's a level of responsibility that has to come from him. There has to be an intrinsic feeling that I need to really up my game tonight. Mm. And his body language, his involvement in, in play... It's absolutely non-existent. I'm, I'm not digging the lad out because of one bad 90 minutes. This is a consistent trend of poor performance. And it, at some point, the credit that he, has, that he has built up will wane. And I think that the fact that he has been so consistent in our starting eleven this season is probably the biggest condemnation you could make of Everton's transfer policy and that lack of options up top. Because in any other season, he'd have been thrown out the team for four or five games. And someone like, I don't know, a Josh King would have come in earlier. And we'd have said, well, do you know what? He's probably not as good as you, but watch the shift he puts in. Um, I, 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 there's nothing we can do. That the, the hard part about this is that there's absolutely no wiggle room up there because there's no one anywhere near as good enough to put a consistent challenge on Richarlison. That, you know, we, we could have spoke about any number of lads tonight, but I think he in particular frustrated me because we needed someone to step up and he just wasn't that guy. Cookie wants to be a professional wrestler. I'm Cookie Serratos and I'm 11 years old. She also wants to win all the medals. That's why Cookie and her family make every day count, squeezing out her best with Go-Go Squeeze. Okay, Cookie, let's break for a Go-Go Squeeze. Go-Go Squeeze fruit-on-the-go pouches are a nutritious snack made from 100% fruit with no sugar added. Go, Cookie! Because when you nurture your kids, you squeeze out the best in them. Squeeze out their best with Go-Go Squeeze. Not a low-calorie food. Products range from 11 to 13 grams of sugar and 60 to 70 calories per serving. Yeah, um... Yeah, it's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Just pissed off at them all. Absolutely pissed off at them all. I mean, I think, I think going back to what the lads were saying there, Lyndon, in regards to the the defence, I think that's that, that's absolutely right. And, it, you know, I think me and Les were doing what's the score earlier and looked at that defence and said, that's the fourth different centre-back player and we've had in the last four games. And that's, you know, it, it's no coincidence when you see that, that we conceded four on Wednesday, three at the weekend, two tonight. And let's be honest, it should have been a lot more tonight. If Fulham have got better forwards on the pitch than it, than it is a lot more. It's probably another four goals at least we can see that Goodison. And that's 
that, that's that's on the manager ultimately. And I think it's I, I did look at that lineup tonight and think there's a bit of complacency there. And mm. he's probably looked at them and thought they're a team that are ten points adrift. Um, they've been struggling to score goals. They can't really keep many clean sheets. We've got two big games in the week. I'll just rotate a few players. And I, listen, I, I would have rotated players tonight for sure because I think there's always going to be a physical toll from a game like Wednesday night. But to go that drastic and to go and, and you know change the centre backs completely to put Seamus Coleman back in to play no wingers effectively. It, it was it was a little bit like the Newcastle game in that sense where he sort of went all out attack with the midfield that day. Whereas today it was sort of like, well, I can make all these changes to the defence and it, it's all going to be absolutely fine because Fulham are 18th in the crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, continuity is important. We we know that from the from the, the mid-80s side. I mean, it was the same team almost week in, week out and they just rolled and they played 50-odd games a season. I know that they, obviously the game's changed now. Um, but, I mean, I as you said, I would have made changes tonight as well from, from Wednesday. But I think that you need, and tonight more or less hammers at home, you need to have one of Mina and Keane at centre-half to lead that side. I mean, Keane's obviously the, the leader by example. Mina's the one who has the physical presence. Um, and so, yeah, like you, I, wouldn't, I would not have put um, that back four in tonight. Um, I, I thought that Coleman would start... Um, I think he, he deserved it based on his performance against Tottenham, definitely. Um, but my, my, my concerns weren't really on the defence today. It was, it was how deep we sat off Fulham. If you look at that second goal, just in the lead-up to that goal, I was looking at it going, how are we not able to play our way through Fulham, but yet they're so easily able to play straight through us. I mean, we lost the midfield battle for 90 minutes tonight. And if you look at that second goal, how deep... We were sitting back in our own half, and they just knocked the ball up the, up the flank, um, got inside the um, inside the fullback. Um, Decore palms off the responsibility to I think Tom Davis to pick up the runner. Nobody does, and then it's in the middle. And it's I mean you know if, if Yerry Mean is in the middle, probably, he's probably not stopping that goal either because he's not that you know quick with his feet. Um, and that for me was where the trouble started. We, we just sat, we sat off too deep, and we didn't have the personnel up front. Um, to justify that kind of posture. If you have Josh King and Richarlison who are there to play on the break, then it makes sense to sort of sit back a bit, let them come on and then hit them on the break. We just did, did not have that at all tonight. Um, and that, that, from that perspective, the starting 11 just mystified me. So I think, why don't you just put Richarlison and King on together, see how they can play together, um, rotate them throughout the match. One of them's up front, the center forward, one of them's not. And um, they're both capable of playing up front or wide. They're both quick. Um, they can cause problems. And it allows you to get on the front foot from the get-go and not allow a team like Fulham, who, you know, obviously at bottom of the table or near the bottom, um, to, to get any foothold in the game. And we've done it for countless home games now where we've allowed the home team, the, the away team, to get on the front foot Get some confidence, push us back, score, and then at that point it just we it it looks like we could play till you know next year and not score. Um, and so yeah, again it comes back to team selection. Um, you know, Gilfie Sigerson plays 120 minutes on Wednesday and goes straight back into the into the lineup alongside Andre Gomez, and it just doesn't just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, he went from playing up front to holding midfield tonight. Just. <laughs> You know, well, yeah. just 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 sort of sort of summed it up. Uh, but yeah, I think Lyndon's right, Rob, in regards to Everton 
off the ball. You know, putting it bluntly, this team can't press. They, they, they are incapable of pressing. And, and again, going back to what's the score, when me and Les were talking, I was saying, you know, we've got probably our two best athletes, you could say, in regards to speed at the back tonight in Godfrey and Holgate. So it's a good opportunity to try and put Fulham under pressure, squeeze the play and try and keep them pinned back. And like Lyndon said, we just sagged. It's probably deeper than we'd play with, with Mina and Keenan there. There's no real desire to get off the pitch. It's probably quite lazy, actually, in, in terms of not wanting to push out all the time. You're just sitting on the edge of your own box, waiting for the, them to, to knock the ball around and trying to pick up the bits and pieces. And I think that, that that's an issue, isn't it, in regards to playing these sorts of sides? We can't press them. We can't disrupt them. We can't keep them pinned back for long spells. And it's probably no surprise with that in mind that when teams like Fulham, who've won two games out of 22 in the Premier League this season before coming to Goodison tonight, and Newcastle, who think we were on a 10-game losing streak before they came to Goodison, all of a sudden get, get to us. And they're up against a team that can't press. And it's like, oh, actually, we've got loads of time on the ball here. Let's just feel our way into this game. Let's just build our confidence up. Let's get our playmakers on the ball a little bit more and finding gaps. And they just start to get... It's, it's mad, isn't it, all of a sudden, when you get when these, these professional footballers get more time on the ball, they start to look a little bit more confident, a little bit more at home with things. Yeah, funny, funny how that works. Sorry, Matt. I'm just... I'm hoping you're not out of breath there completely. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> I think that was what mystified me about all of it was I thought the idea uh, per per Lyndon's point, I guess, but I thought the idea of starting uh, Godfrey and Holgate in the middle there was this notion of pressing up a little bit further, not having to play so deep, you know, you could play a higher line, what have you. Um, but then to compound, but but then to deploy them and then try and play them so far back in a way that does not befit their strengths. And we we spend all the time talking about the things that aren't to Keen and Mina's strengths, and yet we somehow found a way to pair these two together, who are you know very athletic and swift and what have you, and and really utilize them in the worst way possible. And you combine that then with. almost by design bar Richarlison trying to come up with the slowest front three combination that you could it it just it it didn't I didn't understand what the what the plan was if you were going to set up that way and and so it just all became a, a big mess and you know to to Mark's point I I was listening to him go on that epic rant about Richarlison and I was feeling really uncomfortable um with how how uh you know how aggressive Mark Mark's uh, you know stance and and kind of tone about Richarlison was, but I also can't disagree with any of that. And that's that's I, I mean I mentioned a few weeks back that Richarlison uh, having you know having his issues uh, has be- has become a liability for the team, or it's threatening to, or we're actually kind of lucky that we've gotten as far as we have without him playing well this season, but it, it feels like it's, it's just getting worse somehow in the league. Well, Rob, but sorry to, sorry to, inter- sorry to interrupt you there, mate, but it's just, just we sort of hung this idea that a goal was going to change things for him. And then he scored against Leicester and then was pretty rubbish for a bit after that. And then he scored against Sheffield Wednesday in the cup. And he's been pretty poor since. And then he scored yeah. two against Tottenham in midweek. And he's, he's come back with that performance today. And, you know, like Mark said, I don't want to dig any individual player off no, the pitch tonight because like, they, all, they all fucked it, didn't they? The players yeah. and the managers, they all fucked it tonight. But No, no, you know, no. Look, a lot of this is on him. But what I'm saying, too, is that um, you did find something in midweek that seemed to, to, to give him a spark, which is really just playing as a striker. And, and, we, and, and not 
not setting him up to put together one or two or three games in a row where he feels good and where he's playing well, it, it doesn't help things. And, and he's been disappointing and, and he owns the, the bears, the, you know, a, a huge part of the responsibility for that, but setting up the way we did today didn't help. I don't understand having Sigurdsson and Hamas together in, 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 in like we bought Josh King, why did we buy Josh King if we weren't going to start him in this exact scenario today? I mean, I, I grant you, I'm going to defer to Carlo and the training staff and assume that this is a fitness issue and that's why he can't start. But to me, uh, you know, what, watching the, the guy that Fulham signed instead of King, or maybe they were going to sign him both, you know, get a brace against us today and then have Josh King sat on the bench when what Richarlison needs is someone else, you know, he needs some pace around him. So to, to not play a Wobi at all to not play King and to set up that way with our most athletic center half pairing playing super deep it just it just like it was bad execution meeting bad ideas and creating one of the worst performances that I've seen from Everton in a very long time the, the guy you mentioned then Rob briefly Alex Awobi how how on earth has, has that not, lad not got on the pitch tonight I mean, we're not talking about someone who all of the attributes that you spoke about there and in particular mobility and pace, we know he's got them, but he's also actually in decent form as well. I think that in the past, he's been someone who's been so up and down that we're not overly sure to what extent we can rely on the lad. What more does he have to do this season to be involved in a game like that where Everton are meant to be forcing the issue and pinning the opposition back and all of these things that we've said? Because as you correctly say, putting Gilfie Sigurdsson, well, quite frankly, in any Everton team is ludicrous, but next to James Rodriguez in terms of what they offer in and around Richarlison. And I know I know we've spoken about him in particular at length, but when, when you put people like that around them, yes, they are gifted on the ball. They are capable of picking a pass. But if you've got no mobility around that, then shock horror. There is no one to pass to because it's so, so static. And unfortunately, when Richarlison is in this run of form, and in particular in this personal mood that he's in, you're not going to get a great deal of excitement in terms of movement ahead of people like Sigurdsson and James. And as Matt said, we, we've dropped Gilfie Sigurdsson 60 yards back in, in the play tonight just to just to try and get him on the ball and try and get something ahead of him. Um, that That is trying, to, trying too hard to make things work. And I think... On that note, I've, I've not seen anything from Fulham offensively this year that makes me think that we should spend 40 minutes talking about how we set up our back four for them or how Carlo Ancelotti should spend three days thinking about how do I set my back four up for Fulham. And I appreciate that we've spoken about complacency already. And yes, you do have to give some form of nod to the threat that Fulham could potentially pose, but... If I'm if I'm talking about putting our paciest centre halves at the back, it's because I'm worried about someone like Gabriel Jesus or, or Mo Salah getting in behind us. That level of quality would make me rethink my back four. I've, I've not seen anything other than a very dangerous Adam Ola Luckman for the last few weeks that would make me think I've got to change my defensive setup here. And I think, ironically, the one thing I probably would have done tonight is identified Luckman as their most dangerous threat one-on-one. I'd put our best one-on-one defender against him, and that's Ben Godfrey. And he got absolutely nowhere near Luckman tonight because positionally we didn't set up like that. And I think that I'm, I'm struggling 
to to see any form of reasoning about pretty much anything that happened in that starting eleven. And I think there's there's a, a mentality thing here, which yes, is not a Carlo Ancelotti issue. It's a long-standing Everton issue. Is that games like tonight are where we force our point, we play our game, we go in, we go and bully Fulham for the first twenty or twenty-five minutes because at that point we've expressed everything we need to. We've played our way. We've been dangerous. We've got Richarlson in the game. We might have even got a goal. We've at least set our tone for how Everton are going to play for the rest of this game. And I think if you have a, a dangerous malaise for the first 30 to 45 minutes, which Everton, I don't, I don't know what this kind of sit back and wait and see what happens mentality is about how Everton's recent games are going. But God, all, all Evertonians just waiting for a level of aggression early in the game to go and set our stall out, especially in games like tonight against teams who, quite frankly, we should be rolling over. Well, that, it happened on Wednesday, didn't it, as well? But thankfully, yeah. Spurs were, were very profligate with, with the opportunities they had, and we, and we managed to get get back into the game then. But it, it's, it's not a new thing, this. Progressive knows that most people don't get to experience making a game-winning touchdown or a walk-off home run. So we're going to talk to you like you did something great so you can bask in the glory. Oh, man, I was there. That time that you bundled your home, auto, motorcycle, and other vehicles with Progressive? That was awesome. People were freaking out. I bet you get this all the time, but can I get an autograph? If you can't bask in sports glory, at least you can bask in the glory of saving money when you bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Rob? Matt, just wanted to say really quickly, because I know that we don't want to talk about this awful game too much longer, but I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how awful Hamas Rodriguez was tonight. This was easily his worst game for me. And as if we're going to throw again, he's been great all season. So he gets a lot of, he's got a lot of credit in the bank, but he was bad. I mean, again, I don't know if it's because he set up in just a terrible 11 but I, I he he just didn't have it today and didn't seem that interested at a certain point and maybe he was just frustrated what have you but as much as I, I'm gonna drag Richarlison for a game like this too I just want to make sure that we point out that he didn't have a lot of chances created yeah. for him either do, do you know what the, the sad thing is Rob that I actually thought he was one of our better outfield players because I can remember him doing two good passes but he's so <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. But that's it. Like I remember in yeah. the first half, he drew a couple of players in, and he yeah. played one through to Gomez and one through to Davis, and and they they were genuinely the best moments that Everton midfielders had. Yeah, yeah I think well, that's, that's how high point. the bar, I guess, is for him. <laughs> the best technical aspect that we had tonight was Andre Gomez's cross for an offside goal. That no. that is the summary <laughs> of Everton. Yeah. Yeah. I'll quickly round through some comments because we're getting absolutely loads. Um, live of it saying. Uh, Rehammer spot on. Um, so, uh, Uncle Superfly saying King must be well pissed off he didn't go to Fulham. <laughs> I still think they're still think they're going to go down. To be fair, mate. A lot of people saying we're not getting top four. You imagine the Reds. You're probably right, lads. To be fair, uh, Adam Galloway saying going to say it. Everton that uh, true colour saying terrible performance. Uh, Carlo needs to be a lot more productive and change things earlier. I could see it a mile off first five minutes. Um, uh, Jonathan Haddock saying, Mosey, you can't blame Richarlison for, for tonight. Many others ahead of him in the list. I don't think you were blaming him for the, for the result, were you, mate? But... No, no. I, I, don't get me wrong. Every single Everton player was absolutely dreadful tonight. Um, the, the, the reason that, unfortunately, that we highlight players like him is that he's, he's brilliant. We, we know he's a good footballer and we need him in games like that. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, we could have spoken at length about any one of those 11 lads, unfortunately. 
Yeah, keep your comments coming in for the last five I minutes. I felt so bad for him tonight, actually. Richarlison. Yeah, I felt bad for him tonight just because the number of balls that were just pinged up, you know, over his head yeah. or to his head. We expected him to be in the air, to be as good in the air as Calvert Lewin is, and he's not. I mean, he barely won anything all night in the air, which is to be expected. Mm. Um, now, what, how how he was instructed to play um, and positionally, I'm not sure, but there was just there was almost no link up with him down the left um, with Luca Dean, and that I mean that's one of our most productive outlets. Um, and so, you know, if you get to the point where you get to half time, where I think we'd had one shot on target, if we'd had one at all, it means no. Just, the the first shot on target was uh, seventy-five minutes. First shot on target was seventy-five. Just amazing. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really glum. Uh, but yeah, only City on Wednesday to come now, lads. So should be fine. Should be fine there. Yeah. <laughs> in that regard. But just 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 very quickly on on, on the manager, I'll, I'll come to you, Rob. Um, I, I was calling for for changes on, on twenty minutes there. Um, bizarre, we let it go on as long as he did, and very peculiarly that Everton came out after half time, not just with the same eleven lads on the pitch, but playing in the exact same manner. Manner, and the goal, funnily enough, comes from Harrison Reed getting loads of space in midfield as he had done throughout the entire first half playing it down Fulham's left where they look dangerous throughout the entire first half and, and getting across into the box again, which they've done throughout the entire first half. Whew, boy, yeah, a lot. there's a lot there. I, I, I didn't understand some of the decisions. I, I didn't have a problem, for instance, I mean, I wanted Coleman off in general, but I, I you know, even to go a little defensive and put Keen on and at least theoretically solidify with Holgate, but then that didn't work. And yeah, like the, the adjustments weren't quick enough for me and uh, they weren't decisive enough to your point. And, and to be clear, most managers don't change things up significantly after 20 minutes, as much as we all want them to. And, and they even don't change at halftime as much as sometimes we, we want them to as well. But I think, I think there is a feeling when Carlo has a game like this. And I think we're at the point now we're deep enough into the relationship where we can say that we both love our manager and are so glad we have him, but we can also be honest and say he just was he was off today in terms of his decision making, in terms of setting up the team, et cetera. Um, I, I think there's a feeling when he has a game like this, though, that uh, and this is a weird thing to say, but follow me here. It, it does feel at times like he still is not as fully aware or honest with himself about what the actual weaknesses are of some of some of his players. Uh, it, 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 for instance, I, I've, I've always been convinced that the guilty Sigurdsson is some sort of Svengali in training that just convinces every manager that he's got way more in his bag than he does. And, and, and I think that uh, Walcott probably could do that too. I, I think that there are some guys like that, but it's not just that it's, it's, it's just, the the setting up in such a way not really playing to certain strengths of his players i i don't know if it's that he's still really getting to know some of them because i think he's obviously gonna make a ton more good decisions than some schlub like me but i also feel like it's weird sometimes when everyone when that 11 is released they're 
there's nothing wrong with the players, but the configuration or the setup. And we're kind of like, what does he not understand that this guy can't do that really well or what have you. And, and I, 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 I think Carlo obviously does a great job, but tonight suggested in some ways that he may still have a little ways to go in terms of getting to know the ins and outs and the full capabilities or the full limitations of this particular squad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there for tonight. Uh, we've spoken about that game far too much, if we're being honest, from an Everton point of view. Um, anyone got any big Valentine's Day plans for the rest of the evening? Really? Robin, that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, are you off snowed in, in in the States, yeah, aren't you? It's, uh, it's, we're having like a, a, a real actual sort of like big winter storm, like record-breaking winter storm. Uh, here in Oklahoma I feel stuck in this house which is very much the feeling of watching that game today <laughs> of being like I feel like Everton have got I, I feel like I'm stuck in Everton if that makes sense and that's how this this is a perfect metaphor for that so yeah uh, no we uh, we we ordered dinner last night and now we will not be opening the door of our home for probably the next four days so yeah it's gonna be awesome <laughs> what about you what about you Lyndon much sunnier on the west coast yeah let down by my first love on Valentine's Day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um. no, no big plans. Still locked, still locked down. So we're just to uh, stay in. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be in a foul mood for the rest of the day. My wife, my wife's probably going to just avoid me for the rest of the day. She knows. <laughs> there you go. Let, let down by my first love. I think you found the opening line for your match report there, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, apparently, Toppy Web's crashed. Anyway, just seen in the comments. So. Uh, we should probably yeah, keep it. A couple longer. of times, I got I got Michael texting me saying it's gone down and won't come back up. I'm like, I'm rebooting it. <laughs> Every, everyone, everyone's often a bit of fume, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go well, go with topic. Go on. Sorry, mate. No, I was just going to say it's it, 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 it's either you know if we're doing really well and it gets really busy when we do really badly it actually gets even more busy. So people just like to have a moan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, can be quite cathartic in times like this. But get over to yeah. Toffee Web and read Lyndon stuff. After that, I'm sure it'll be very soothing after a bit of rage from all of us there. Uh, if you're watching this as well, you haven't subscribed, do subscribe to us on YouTube, give this video a like. And if you want to hear more from us ahead of a massive week with Manchester City and Liverpool to come, there uh, should be an easy six points there, shouldn't there? Uh, why not come and join us on Blue Room Extra, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra for multiple Everton shows every single weekday. Uh, but we'll cl close the book there for now on that Fulham game. Uh, absolutely rock performance but I hope you all enjoy whatever you can of your weekend and uh, fingers crossed that things get better this week for the Blues we'll speak to you soon Progressive knows that most people don't get to experience making a game-winning touchdown or a walk-off home run so we're gonna talk to you like you did something great so you can bask in the glory oh man I was there that time that you bundled your home auto motorcycle and other vehicles with Progressive that was awesome people were freaking out I bet you get this all the time, but can I get an autograph? If you can't bask in sports glory, at least you can bask in the glory of saving money when you bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.